Good evening, everyone. How are we tonight? Welcome to the North Georgia Revival here at Christ Fellowship Church. We're so glad that you're here. If everybody could go ahead and stand to your feet tonight, we are going to read God's Word, which is, we believe, the most important part of our service, just start with God's Word. Amen? And so we ask that during this time, we just hold all conversation, and we really focus on what God is saying through His Word. And if you can turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, our friend Todd is going to come and read the scripture for us tonight. So if you could welcome Todd to the stage. Good evening. We'll try that again. Good evening. Let's do that one more time. Good evening. It is a good evening. We're glad to have you with us this evening. Read Acts chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 1. I love this. Before I even get to it, it says it says right here, coming of the Holy Spirit. I said coming of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It says when the day of Pentecost had fully come. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. They were all, say all, say all, with one accord in one place. As a matter of fact, I, t I tell you what I need to do. Pastor Todd, if you just say, get that guy off my stage, that's fine. But listen, let's take the next 30 seconds, and I just feel like, because you got to realize, coming into this moment, these men had been praying for days and days and days and days and said, God, we are so desperate. We are so desperate. We cannot move without hearing from you. We cannot move without knowing direction. And I just feel like we need to, if we're going to get in one accord and read about being in one accord, then I just feel like we need to get in one accord. So if we could spend for the next 30 seconds and let's just give God glory and let's focus on what it is we came to do here this evening. Hallelujah, Lord. We love you. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. You are worthy. You are righteous. And there is none like you, O oh God. You are the King of kings, and you are the Lord of lords. Angels bow before you, demons run from you. And that's the God we came to raise, to serve, and lift up this evening. Hallelujah. Y'all ready? Verse 2. And suddenly, say suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled, say filled, the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And there were, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were all filled and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
We came in here tonight not for a spectacle, not for a camp meeting. We came in here tonight for revival. We came in here tonight to seek the face of the living God. We came in here tonight to petition heaven. We came in here tonight to agree with heaven. So what I'm going to ask right now before we even pray, where are my worshipers at tonight? I'm going to ask you to go ahead and come on down front because we're going to get serious about this thing in here this evening. Go ahead, come on. I don't want, everybody raise their hand. Where are my worshipers at? Come on. I'll wait on you. Come on. One accord, church. One accord. One accord. One accord. There's people from all over the world here tonight. There's people watching from all over the world tonight. And I believe if you're in here tonight, you're here on divine appointment. It's divine appointment. It's not a mistake. It's not by accident that you're here this evening. And God's going to do something mighty and miraculous. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to pray. And I want everyone in one accord, and we're going to pray, and we're going to seek the face of God. Amen? Father God, right now, we just come to you, Lord. We come to you humbly. We come to you seeking your face, O oh God. And we ask this evening, O oh Lord, that you just move among us, that you just begin to send your Holy Spirit, God, that you just begin to fill this room, Lord Jesus. God, you begin to comfort those that need comfort. You begin to heal those that need healing. You begin to fill those that need filling. The demonic cannot stand in your presence. We came in here this evening to come into agreement with heaven. The angels are standing around the throne, and they are yelling, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we cry, we cry, and we declare, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. There is none like you, Jesus. There is none other than you, Jesus. We come to seek your face tonight, and we give you glory, and we give you honor, and we do this in the name of Jesus, the name above all names, the name by which the demons flee, the name by which the sick are healed, the name by which the lame walk, the name of salvation. And we do this in Jesus Christ, holy and mighty name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Come on, lift your voices to Jesus.
Transform in your presence. Transform us in your presence. Transform us in your presence. Make us like you. Make us like you. your presence. Saints, we sing. Come and 
We sing.
Right. Good evening. So glad to have you at the North Georgia Revival. It is an honor to be able to host you tonight. My name is Todd Smith, lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And on behalf of our church family and all the host pastors, we welcome everybody that is here. Who is here for the very first time tonight? If this is your very first time at the North Georgia Revival, lift your hand. God bless you. All right. All across the room. Wonderful, wonderful. Anybody here tonight from out of state, anybody that has traveled from out of state, over there in my far left and your right, where are you guys from? Kentucky. Welcome. Is it Grace in Kentucky? All right, Pastor Lance Johnson with, with you guys. Oh, wow. Thank you for driving down. Did you drive down today? Okay. Wow. Anybody else in this section out of state? Anybody out of state? Uh, how about over here? Anybody here? Over here? Over? Okay, right in the very back. Where are you guys from? Washington, D.C. Welcome to the North Georgia Revival. Welcome to the North Georgia Revival. I'm telling you, you're way in the back. That's all right. Did y'all drive down today? Did you drive today? Two days ago. Someone else over here? Yes, in the very back. From where? From Germany. Amazing. Someone else right here? From South America, Peru missionaries to Peru. With Pastor Don Allen in the Church of War Hill. Thank you, guys. Anybody else? Anybody else? I don't want to miss. Yes. From Maryland, all right. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Anybody else? All right, yeah. We're over here? Yeah. From Alabama. What part? Are you from Moody? From, huh? Okay. Um, you're close to Moody, right out there. Do you go to the gathering place? Welcome to Dawsonville, Georgia, this big metropolis of 23,000 people in the entire county, not the city, but the county, 23,000 people, and uh, the Lord has chosen this city to touch the world, and lives are being changed all over the globe as with what's happening here 
at this revival. So give God praise, if you would, for just a moment. Mm -hmm. If heaven is a little bit like what we just experienced, I want to get there. I'm telling you, it is glorious. I appreciate our worship team for doing an incredible job. Let them know you appreciate them tonight. Absolutely, absolutely amazing. You're in store for uh, such a huge blessing tonight. Pastor Robbie Mathis from Freedom Tabernacle and from Cumming, Georgia, is going to bring the word tonight. He is such a communicator of the scriptures. The word of God brings such revelation, not just a preacher that preaches, but brings revelation. You can tell that he's a man that spends time in the presence of the Lord. He's ready to bring uh, the, the power of God with him. And we're going to be blessed tonight. And Pastor Robbie, we cannot wait to hear you and uh, to come and be a part of um, our service tonight. I want you to welcome Pastor Buddy Barron as he comes, as he's going to receive our offering tonight. Would you welcome Pastor Buddy? I just hear in my spirit, the Bible says that the Lord went up with a shout. And I want you and I to stand up and from the deepest part of you, let's just give a huge shout unto God, would you? Hallelujah! Yes, Lord! We worship you, Father. Go up in a shout, oh God. Hallelujah. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The Bible tells us in uh, Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish, or they cast off restraint. The opposite of that is true as well. Where there are no people, the vision perishes. And uh, I like what another translation said. It said, where there is no prophecy, the people perish. Another translation said, where there's no prophetic revelation, the people perish. And then in the Amplified Bible, it said this, where there's no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. Pastor Todd, for almost a year now, has been telling us about a redemptive revelation, a vision that he had as he passed by these waters one January. And God has blessed that vision as he shared it uh, to this community, all of North Georgia, and is now it's touching many other states and around the world. And I just want to say that God is doing something redemptive. It's a redemptive revelation being manifested in, my mid, in our midst. I don't ever recall of so much activity happening around a water baptismal service in all of my days, we are seeing the finger of God. He's manifesting something. Without vision, you and I would not be here. Without a redemptive purpose, we would not be here tonight. God is saying something to the church, very prophetic, I believe. In Exodus chapter 35 and verse 5, the Bible says, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring an offering to the Lord. 
I love that willing heartedness. The Spirit of God tonight is looking for men and women that have a willing heart to give unto the Lord. Revival is just not a, a time to come and take. Revival is a time to come and give. Give unto the Lord. Give while we speak to people and bless them and, 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 and welcome them and, and pray for them and, and hope that God will minister greatly in their lives. That word willing means a ready people, a people who are ready to give. It means voluntary, people that voluntarily give unto the Lord. I love this one. A people that are spontaneous, spontaneous givers to Almighty God. And then a last definition of willing, willing to do something without force or without pressure. When we watch these preachers on TV trying to take up offerings and they twist and manipulate and try to get the body of Christ to give, it's, it's, it's almost embarrassing to watch it. God does not want to manipulate you. God is looking for men and women that have a willing heart that the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, the Holy Spirit has touched you, and you're ready to do so. Also, one final scripture, Exodus 35 and 21. Then everyone whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing, they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle. The word stir in the Hebrew means to lift up with an upward motion that has nothing negative about it, very positive. We lift up our offering. We lift up our hands without doubt or wrath or any such thing to a holy God. Everything is lifting up. We lift up our burdens. We cast everything upon him. And that word also means to receive someone in a friendly manner. That we don't frown in taking up the offering of God, but we receive it in a friendly manner. You know, the Bible says he loves a cheerful giver, and hilarious giver. It also means, the word stir means be favorably dispossessed towards someone. God, I'm going to give tonight because the Spirit of God is making me willing. The Spirit of God is stirring me up, and I want to show you my greatest gift that I can offer. It's time to give. I'm going to ask the ushers to come. Would you stand with us? Father, we thank you for the supernatural vision that you have already manifested in this place. But we also realize the scripture says that without the people supporting and being favorably deposed toward what you're doing, that the vision could perish. Father, I just pray tonight that you would pay off this revival. 
I pray that you would raise up a man or a woman or all of us put together, however you want to do it. Someone watching on, on Facebook, YouTube, whatever. God, that you would raise up givers, men and women of willing spirit, and men and women who are stirring in their hearts. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you, Pastor Buddy. Don't you love him? I tell you, prophet in the house. Prophet in the house tonight. Um, in January, our church went on a 21-day fast, thirsting and hungering for a move of God. In the middle of that fast, literally, I should say the last week or so of the fast, I'm on this platform, and I'm walking toward that baptistry. Now, I need to say this, and some of you have heard this for going on 39 weeks. This is our 39th week of revival. Come on now. Yeah, 39 weeks. And in January, we had no idea what God was doing and what he was about to do. All I know is this right here. I'm walking toward that baptistry. It is as bone dry as it could ever be. It's empty. And I get three quarters of the way over here, and the Lord gave me a vision. Now, you have to understand I'm a Southern Baptist, raised a Southern Baptist, went to Sanford University, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. We didn't have visions. I'm not being critical. I just never had a vision before but I'm walking toward that that baptistry I saw that entire tank full of water just as it is right now with a strip of fire from the front of it all the way to the back wall two and a half to three feet wide as if gasoline was on the water fire And in a brief moment, the Lord spoke to my heart. He says, Todd, I'm going to baptize people with Holy Spirit fire. As of last week, we baptized right at 1,800 people since February. And I know that some of us may be thinking, what's the significance of the baptismal pool? Why, why are you emphasizing the baptistry? Do you realize the first two weeks of a revival, we baptized eight one Sunday, then nine the next, and we didn't baptize to nearly two months after that? It never was about the baptistry. We never knew what that meant. Until one Sunday, Pat Schatzline was here on April the 22nd. He came back April the 29th, and I said, Pat, we're going to baptize tonight spontaneously. The Lord spoke to me that he's going to baptize people in Holy Spirit fire. I just feel like we need to baptize spontaneously tonight. So he preached. He says, we're going to open up the baptistry. Whoever wants to come and get baptized, come right now. And I believe 30 or 35 people at that time, maybe 27, I think I'm going to get my numbers right, about 27 people walked up here to get baptized. That's April the 29th. 
had no idea that when they would step in that water that they would encounter the presence of God. To the magnitude that when they would get baptized, unable to get out of the water in their own strength. Sicknesses started getting healed in the water. Psoriasis melting off a man's body. Sciatic nerve problems. They couldn't walk. Now, immediately get baptized. The next day, walk a mile and a half with absolutely no pain. Heart conditions being healed. Migraine headaches, chronic migraine headaches being evaporated. People on ADD medicine and, and all other type of, how could I say it, other types of ailments, psychological and emotional and physical calamities immediately getting healed, coming off of medications with doctors verifying miracles. And the beautiful thing about this baptistry, no man, no preacher, no church, none of us, get any of the credit. I don't know why he chose the water other than this, I believe. Because when you put that foot in that water, you are committing yourself to have an encounter with God. You can fake it here. You can give a courtesy fall right here. But as we have heard time, time, and time again, people are unable to get out of the water. They go completely limp. It's like an anesthesia. It's like they're under some type of, of, of power that just causes them to go limp. Not every case, but in many cases. You can't manipulate that. And people have been addicted to nicotine for a decade, two decades, three decades, 37 years, get in those waters and not even have a desire for it. I would say that's God. Adam, over here to my left. Adam, you were baptized last Sunday night. Your hands felt, you felt electricity in your hands. God's healing you. Everybody wave at Adam. Adam, you wave everybody right there. Touched by the power of God. Gabriel Trevino in Jacksonville right now is experiencing revival in his church, came to our pastor's conference. An Assembly of God pastor gets in that water, unable to get out of the water. By the time he gets home, revival has hit his church. I looked at Pastor Todd Cox. Where's Pastor Todd? Got baptized in that water. I thought you died in the water. You lost all your color. I mean, you did. You went ashy. You went gray on me. I thought, dear God, he has died in the water. But God touched him. You had a back issue. We baptized you three times. The Lord told me to baptize you three times. I don't know if a Baptist pastor's ever been baptized three times in a row. We did that day. Baptized him three days, and God healed your back. Did he not? Come on, right there, Baptist pastor. All I know is this. Pastor Robbie Mathis is going to come preach the word. He's going to build your faith. There'll be two altar calls. You're going to come to this altar. God's going to touch you, cleanse you, change you. And then there's going to be an altar call to get in that baptistry. I want to tell you something right now. We've had people wait four hours and 45 minutes to get baptized. 
baptized to after midnight last Sunday. A couple weeks before that, we were here till 1 o'clock in the morning baptizing people. Folks watching online, Spirit of God speaks to them. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to one lady. It's 1030 at night, and she said, he says, go get in that water. She got out of her pajamas, put her clothes on, drove here, and we baptized her, and God changed. There she is right there. God changed her life. Hey! Wherever you're watching right now, wherever you're watching from within 60 miles to even 100 miles of this place, get in your car, get here. The presence of the Lord is here. He will touch you. Nothing magical about that water. It's just Dawsonville water. But God said, when they step in there, I'm going to baptize them with Holy Spirit fire. What the church needs is not any more entertainment, not some superstar worship pastor, not some preacher with Christian swagger with the cutest haircut and skinny jeans. We need the power of God to invade the church again. Hey, Pastor Robbie, come on, bro. Give it up for the man of God. I think Pastor Todd need to go ahead and preach tonight. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus another praise tonight. Can we bless him? Oh, my goodness. Praise the Lord. You may be seated tonight. I tell you, Pastor Todd got to preaching there and sharing that. I felt like running over and getting baptized. But I tell you what I what I did feel. I was just sitting down there, and I finally just we just had to stand up and just just shout. But I tell you what I did feel. I felt a river of the Lord <laughs> begin to flow up my legs <laughs> when he began talking. That's what I felt. I felt the glory of the Lord just begin just washing. It was like I was stepping in the water. Is what I felt. That's what I felt. <laughs> When he would start, his buddy, his buddy talked about how we've got to prophesy and release life. That's what Pastor Todd was doing. He was declaring the vision and releasing it. And I'm telling you, that's what we experienced and encountered was the presence of the Lord. And I just felt it begin rising up my leg. I'm telling you, we're going to encounter the Lord tonight. We're going to encounter the Lord tonight. Anybody ready to encounter the Lord tonight? We're encountering Him. We're encountering His presence. And a lot of you are going to get baptized tonight, and, and we're going to just have a wonderful time in the Lord. I honor the pastors of this church. I honor the uh, staff members, the elders. I honor this, this uh, church, Christ Fellowship, thanking them that they are hosting this North Georgia revival. Can we thank Christ Fellowship tonight? Aren't you thankful they're paying the price? Paying the price to host the presence of the Lord, and I certainly appreciate the opportunity to fellowship and worship along with my with these pastor friends and and um the uh, the ones that are part of this revival and, and i tell you uh, the number one thing that i appreciate about this revival is is obviously getting to experience the glory of god and the presence of god that's the number one thing that's the number one thing but i tell you along with it what i so have enjoyed is i so have enjoyed getting to meet so many new brothers and sisters in christ and what I would say is some good friends, some friends, people that I've met during this revival. I'm continuing to meet them. It's just been awesome. I just I love people, 
And um, I'm, I'm glad that you we're able just to connect with, with each other. And, um, and it's just it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Well, tonight, the objective that I believe that the Holy Spirit has for me to share with you tonight is this. This, this is the objective. This is the teacher coming out in me. There's always an objective. What's the objective of the lesson for that you want to accomplish when you leave? This is the objective for tonight. That when we all leave here tonight, that we're going to be declaring and saying, I've got to have the glory. I've got to have the glory. My message tonight is I want the glory. I want the glory. I don't know if you were here last Sunday night, but David, Pastor David Edmondson preached on, as Karen alluded to, on Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb. If you didn't see that, you need to go back to last Sunday and you need to watch that message entitled, Behold the Lamb. It was such a, an incredible message. I wasn't able to be here last Sunday night, but I watched it Monday morning at the gym and I was in the gym crying. And my earphones in, I just had to lay my phone up on the, some of the way and just laying, I was just crying, just enjoying the presence of God as he preached on Behold the Lamb. I just, just, was just so humbling to thankful and to know what the Lamb of God, what Jesus did for us. And it was just so humbling. Now, I don't know if Pastor David's here, if he's watching, but I want to tell you another thing that he did. Do you remember last Sunday night, he did something, and he got something stuck in my mind all week long. Baby lamb, do, 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 do. I kept singing that all week. And I just was waiting on my family to go, what in the world are you talking about? I just kept singing it over and over. And uh, So, Pastor David, thank you so much for that. If you're watching, uh, getting that stuck in my mind. But, but tonight's message is I've got to, uh, is I want the glory. I want to tell you what happened last Sunday night. This whole message that he preached about the Lamb of God was the setup for tonight. Because Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 says, For it was fitting for him, Jesus, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, listen to this, in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. You see, the final objective of Jesus' sacrifice was to restore human beings back to the realm of God's glory in which they were created for. So the Lamb of God that came has, because He was the final sacrifice has made a way has paved the way for you and I to be able to step back into the realm of God's glory, which God originated and designed from the very beginning. God has always wanted mankind to be in His presence and for Him to be in man's presence. And when man messed it up, God was the one who always took the initiative. It's not the message tonight, but through there were about five different things that he did to create a way for God to dwell with mankind. I want to tell you, God wants you to desire in his presence more than you want to desire in his presence. Amen? So we're going to be talking about the glory of God. Now, 
We've just got just a few minutes tonight to talk about these things that I feel God wants to share. We did a whole theme of this a couple of years ago at our church. Our whole year's theme was Beholding the Glory of God. So we've got to take a, just a, a whole lot of sermons that could be built around the glory of God, break it down in just a few minutes. But what I want to do is just whet your appetite enough tonight to where that it's burning in your heart that, you gotta, that you're going to be declaring, I want the glory. I want the glory. See, we are made specially for God's glory. The glory of God was a gift to mankind in creation, and it is also an inheritance for every believer. Hallelujah. When we enter into God's glory, listen to this. So why do we want the glory? When we enter into God's glory, we dwell in His presence. We receive His love and grace. We understand His heart. We learn what His will is. And we experience His divine power. That power transforms lives saving, healing, and delivering. And it enacts miracles and wonders that reveal God's majesty or His glory. What is the glory? We could say that the glory is the total sum of His attributes, His character, and His intrinsic virtues. It's the brilliance of His presence, and it's the splendor of His majesty. The very essence of God is the glory. The glory of God is the spiritual atmosphere of heaven like oxygen or air is to the natural kingdom. It's the glory of God. You see, because the glory is the essence of who God is, listen to this, everything is complete in the glory. There is nothing incomplete in the glory Every need is met in the glory. Can we give him praise for his glory tonight? Every me, every need, every need, every need, every need is met. Paul said this in the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter and the 19th verse. Listen to what Paul said. He said, and my God shall supply all your need. According to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. Notice he didn't say that all your need would be met according to his riches in heaven. That's not what he said. He said all your need would be met according to his riches in glory. Why? You see, heaven is a fixed place. Glory is transferable. So wherever his glory is, wherever his glory is at, every need is met. Wherever Jesus is at, the glory's there. The glory's there. Wherever Jesus is, that's where the glory's at. And that's what we want tonight. Amen. We want the glory of God. See, we want his glory to manifest in our life. A manifestation is a supernatural demonstration that can be perceived by our senses. God is everywhere because He's omnipresent. God's everywhere. He's omnipresent. But here's the thing. 
but he does not manifest everywhere. Remember I said the manifestation was a supernatural demonstration that can be perceived by our senses. God is everywhere because he's omnipresent, but he doesn't always manifest everywhere. His glory will manifest in visible and tangible form when he is worshipped in spirit and in truth. When we worship him in spirit and in truth, he will manifest himself. That means he will make himself known to us. Isn't it wonderful that we know that God is always there. He's everywhere. But when God sometimes will strip away uh, that, that veil and step right in our midst, when you say, when you know God is right here, there's a difference in knowing by faith that God is here and experience intangibly his presence when you say, I know God is here because I tangibly perceive him. It's not about feelings, but I tell you, God has created this little thing. It sure does feel good to feel God, don't it? And to know him. And we can experience his presence continuously everywhere that we go. God will manifest himself where he is welcomed. That means where he is continually honored and revealed. When we honor him and we reveal him, when we make Jesus known, when Jesus is the, when Jesus is the focal point, when it's not about anything else, when he's the focal point, when we reveal him, when we honor him, when we give him place, when we honor him, worship him, adore him, and make it about Jesus, that's when he manifests himself. The Bible said that God inhabits the praise of his people. So what we do when we come in this place to worship and honor him, and wherever you go, when you worship him in spirit and in truth, and you honor him, and you welcome him, and you praise him, you are creating a throne for him to have it, and he inhabits the praise of his people, and that's what we do, and then he manifests, and he makes himself known to us in tangible ways that we know that God is here. Let's give him praise tonight for his glory. Oh, his glory. We need his glory. Why do we need his glory? Because what changes a person is not time spent in church, but time spent in God's presence. That's what changes a person. The glory of God is not just a theological concept to be learned. It is a reality that can be continuously experienced. And I don't know about you tonight, but I'm here to declare i got to have the glory. i got to have the glory. But more, more than anything else in my life, I've got to have the glory. I need his presence in my life, don't you? I need his presence in my life. I want his glory in my life. I want his glory in my life. I want you to look with me in the third chapter of the book of, Ex of Ezra. Ezra chapter 3. Ezra chapter 3. We're going to start with verse 8. Read through the 13th verse. Or we're going to stop actually at the 11th verse. But starting with the 8th verse of Ezra chapter uh, 3. Now in the second month of the second year of the coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, Jeshua the son of Josadak, and the rest of their brethren, the priests and the Levites, and all those who had come out of the captivity to Jerusalem, began work and appointed the Levites from 20 years old and above 
to oversee the work of the house of the Lord. Then Jeshua with his sons and brothers, Cadmiel and his sons, and the sons of Judah arose as one to oversee those working in the house of God. The sons of Hinnadad with their sons and their brethren, the Levites. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsibly, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever toward Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the Lord was laid. Now I want to tell you what's going on at this time. Because of the rebellion of the Israelites, because they had turned their backs on God and began living life of their own, not needing God in their life, turned their backs, began to worship false gods, God allowed his people to go into captivity for nearly 70 years. Went into captivity. This Jeremiah 29, 11, right, right in that, God was speaking to them a promise. And it was right in the midst of this that he told them that they were going to be going into captivity for 70 years because of their rebellion. But God had a plan. For he said, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future and expect it in. God's always got good plans for us. It's just our choice about how we choose to respond to the goodness of God. Amen? And so they went into captivity. And towards the end of the 70 year, God raised up the Persians, King Cyrus, for them to overtake the Babylonians. And so they captured the Babylonians, and they overtook them. God began to move on King Cyrus, the king of Persia's heart, and he began to stir on their heart. There were some of those that wanted to go back to Jerusalem to build the foundation or to go back to rebuild the temple, the temple that had been destroyed, Solomon's temple uh, that had been destroyed. As you know, Solomon's temple was great. It was magnificent. It was beautiful. The queen of Sheba visited one time, and she, when she saw everything, she said, the half had not even been told me. It was just so splendorous, and it was just so glorious, but it got destroyed by the Babylonians and the Israelites found themselves in captivity. Well, King Cyrus began to allow the, the, the Jews to go back to Jerusalem to begin to rebuild the temple. They went back. There were some of them that went back, and they began construction. The very first thing that they began to do in the first chapter of this third chapter of, of Ezra is they began uh, to rebuild the altar. How many of you know the very first thing that you got to do is when you want to come back to God is you just got to go back to the altar. I mean, the altar is the place where you meet with God. It's the place where the blood is applied. It's the place where forgiveness and repentance occurs. It's going back to the altar. That's the first thing that they did was they rebuilt the altar. And then they began to rebuild the foundation of the temple. And they began to lay it. They began to place those stones upon other stones. They began to place those stones and all of those stones being placed on one another. Everybody say stones. 
So you got to remember this. All those stones began to be put in place, and, and they were going to rebuild the temple. And when they began to rebuild the temple, what was the temple? It was a place for God to dwell. It was a place where the glory of God would reside. Behind the Holy of Holies, God was wanting a place to meet with mankind. And so they began to build it, and the foundations were being restored, and they would shout. They praised God. He's good. His mercy endures forever. Everybody shout with a great shout and they praised the Lord because the temple was being restored and rebuilt. But I want you to look at the next two verses. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes. Yet many shouted aloud for joy. So that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the sound was heard afar off. Many of these older priests and Levites that saw Solomon's temple and saw its splendor, saw the, the magnificence of it, saw its saw how beautiful it was. And now they're rebuilding a temple, and they realize as the foundations laid, many of the older ones began to weep because they're comparing it to something that was created or a state that they were once in in the past. Now, I'm going to go somewhere right here. There is something that we need to be aware of. We do not ever, ever need to get ourselves caught up in the spirit of comparison. Because what they were doing was saying they remembered how things looked in the past with Solomon's temple. Now they're rebuilding a temple, a place for God to dwell, and some of them were weeping because they remember how splendorous it was, and the one that they're rebuilding now doesn't look magnificent like Solomon's temple. It doesn't look as splendorous and beautiful as it once was. But so they began, they, they were weeping. They remembered that. There was a comparison made. But I want to tell you, some of them were we, some of them were shouting for joy. Can I tell you that it's all in perspective? I said it's all in perspective. See, you and I can't begin to compare ourselves about what used to be. We can't get in a comparison about what used to, or we can't even get in a comparison about somebody else. See, they were comparing this current temple that they were about to build, and they were comparing it to what used to be. And in their mind, they're thinking, this is not going to be as beautiful as what we once had. We need to get back to what we once had. And then their mind said, was it's not ever going to be that way. I want to tell you tonight that the outward appearance is not as important as what's on the inside. You don't need to be worrying and comparing yourself at churches about the size of your church, about how many's in attendance on Sunday morning, about how many's 
in your life group about how many shows up on Sundays or Wednesdays because it's not about how it looks on the outside. The only thing that we need to be concerned is, is is the glory there? Is the Lord's presence showing up? Is God really manifesting himself? Is God really doing what he said he would do? Is God really there? So we need to stop comparing ourselves. It's not that. All we need to be doing is just worrying. Is the glory here? Is the glory present in there? That's what we need to be concerned with. So some of them were weeping and some of them were we were shouting. There was a there was a comparison there. there, 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 there but, but you see, it was it was all all in comparison. See this. So so there's something going on, and some of them were weeping, some of them were shouting, and they couldn't even uh, discern the noise of what was taking place. And so you go on in the next chapter of Ezra four, and discouragement sets up. The non-Jewish people begin to speak bad things to them. They begin to hinder. How I many of you know that every time that you start drawing towards the glory of God, the enemy's always going to try to oppose you? There's always an opposition. There's always an opposition because the enemy does not want you to be in the glory of God. Oh, we don't mind you going through the motions of church. He just don't want you to be in the glory. Because when you get in the glory, remember, every need's met. In the glory, the power's released. In the glory, every provision is, is met. The name of Jesus is glorified and exalted in the presence of God. See, see, it's the glory. So opposition sets up, and the work is hindered for 15 years, 15, 16 years. Everything goes dormant. It's just laying there. And the people begin to take the resources and take the blessings and begin to build their own personal houses. They begin to do things that they wanted to do. They began to build for themselves and focus on themselves. How many of you know that when we begin to focus upon ourselves, the glory's not there. And therefore, the blessings diminish and the glory can't be released in your life for great things to happen because you're doing it all with yourself. So God takes the initiative. Let me know God always takes the initiative. He said, I'm so glad I found the Lord. Listen, he wasn't lost. You didn't find the Lord. God always takes the initiative. It's always God, the one that's doing. So in this discouragement, in their discouragement, 15 years, 16 years later, God does something to stir them back up. But he shared with us eloquently tonight about what stirring up means. God raised up two prophetic voices. Their names were Haggai and Zechariah. And he raised those men up to be a prophetic voice to the Israelites. And he stirred them up. Why did God take the initiative to stir them up, to get them to, to finally complete the temple and the work that was started? Why did God do it? Because God's glory cannot be poured into an incomplete temple. 
He can't fill an incomplete temple. And so if you just got a foundation there and it's not complete, the glory of God can't be poured out on it. So God takes the initiative because he knows his glory can't be housed in an incomplete temple. I'm telling you, God has to get the container of the house prepared in order for the glory to reside in it. In other words, now the verse that Todd read to us tonight about in the the first about the second chapter of Acts about the day of Pentecost coming. Listen, we want to we 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 understand about Pentecost, but before you can have Pentecost, you gotta have Passover. Uh, maybe I need to explain that. Passover always preceded Pentecost. There has to be the blood applied before there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. If not, it's incomplete. And the 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 reservoir, the container is incomplete and it's not able to house or contain the glory of God. Is anybody listening to me in this place? So we got to have Passover. We got to have the blood applied in order for the container to be there. And you may be here tonight and you feel like an incomplete temple. Uh, that you just feel like that you'll never be able to house the glory of God. Can I tell you tonight that my God, He specializes in taking broken, incomplete things and making them whole and pouring out His glory in them. I want to tell you, all you got to do is get it placed under the blood and the glory of God can fill you. Amen. Let's give Him praise for the glory tonight. Yes. The glory, the glory, the glory, glory. Hallelujah. Maybe you feel like things are not going to be like they used to be. Maybe you're comparing your, your life to the way the situations used to be. They were looking at the foundation of this new temple, comparing it to the old temple, and saying that one was splendorous. It was marvelous. It was magnificent but look at this and maybe we're comparing ourselves maybe situations in life has changed in your life maybe you're saying it'll never be like it used to be I'll never get back there or maybe it'll I'll never be like so and so and we compare. Can I tell you that God never wants to take us back to where we were. He always wants to take us to something more glorious. We're changed in the image of likeness of God from glory to glory. When I reach that glory, I'm changed into this glory, into this glory, into this glory. I don't know about you tonight, but I'm telling you, i got to have the glory. i got to have the glory in my life. He's all that I need. He's all that you need. we got to have the glory. Come on, let's shout it. i got to have the glory. i got to have the glory. i got to, i got to have the glory. Oh, I've got to have the glory. 
So we've got to turn over to the book of Haggai and see what Haggai is saying about all this. And this is what he said. Haggai chapter 1. Haggai chapter 1. Let's read verses 4 through 8. This is what Haggai said. He says, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And then he begins to speak to them about what's happening in their life. He said, You've sown much and you bring in little. You eat, but you don't have. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. He who earns wages, earns wages to put it into a bag with holes. Why was this going on? Haggai says, consider your ways. This is, this, is how we, this is how we say it. This is what I like to say to people. How's that working out for you? How, how's that working out for you? You sow it. We know that we know the law, the spiritual law of sowing and reap. What you sow is what you get. And Haggai says, You're sowing, but you're getting little. You you you're drink you're uh you're eating, but you don't have enough. You're drinking, but you're not filled with drink. Never not enough, not satisfying you. You clothe yourselves, nobody's warm. He who earns wages earns wages. Putting it into a bag with holes. In other words, what you put in your butt, like your pockets have holes in them. Why? Because they did not have the glory of God. They began focusing on themselves rather than housing the presence of God. And they didn't have the glory of God, and therefore they did not have the blessing of God. I want to tell you that everything that the world and the devil tries to give us will never satisfy It'll never be enough. It'll be like you getting things and it's just going to waste. It'll never satisfy because we're doing things to satisfy our flesh and what we want. But I'm telling you that when we begin to put God first in our life and we say, God, I got to have the glory. I got to have your presence, Lord, more than anything. I'm telling the glory of God to the, the presence, His goodness would just be in your life. It doesn't mean that trouble and storms may not come, but it means right in the middle of trouble and storms, there's peace right there in the middle of it. And God carries you through your shielded and clothed. As a matter of fact, He said His glory would be a rear guard to you. It'll cover you from the back. His glory. His glory. That's what we want, isn't it? It's His glory. Haggai says, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood. Build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. And then in chapter 2, Haggai. In the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheol, to governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Now listen to what he says. He's speaking to these that were weeping because they compared the current temple to what they remembered in the past. He said, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? He said, In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? That guy knows their heart. He said, you think this temple, compared to what you once knew, in your eyes, it's nothing. That's what that guy said. 
you think it's nothing. In other words, it's little. It's, it doesn't amount to anything. It doesn't look like what it used to look like. It's not what it used to be. Yet now, he has a message for them. Be strong, Zerah Bible says the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. I want to tell you tonight, if you're in a place where you don't feel like things will ever be like what you would like for it to be, I'm going to tell you, God spoke three times in that one verse. Be strong, be strong, be strong, and work. In other words, keep going on. God's got a better plan for your life when you put him first. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts once more, it is a little while I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. Now listen to this ninth verse. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. God says you think it's nothing. But he said, I want you to know that the glory of this latter temple is going to be greater than what you saw in the first. How could it be greater than Solomon? Don't you remember when they dedicated the temple in Solomon's temple? The priest couldn't even stand to minister because the glory of God was so strong. And Haggai's saying the glory's going to be greater. Everybody say greater. It's going to be greater. The glory is going to be, it's going to be greater. Notice he didn't say the temple was going to be greater. He said the glory was going to be greater. Don't you be looking on the outside and compare it and think it's nothing. You say it's the glory. It's what's on the inside. Come on, let's give him a shout of praise. It's the glory. The glory's going to be greater. The glory's going to be greater. The glory is going to be greater. Woo! Yes, the glory is going to be greater. Oh, glory is going to be greater. How could that be greater? Because this temple, this temple, although beautified by Herod, was going to be the one that Jesus himself Steps into. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness upon the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory shall be seen upon you. Jesus came on the scene in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, 
and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and there was not anything made that was not made by Him. And in the 14th verse, John said, And we beheld His glory, of the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And it was full of grace and truth. I want you to know that the great glory of the latter house was greater because Jesus stepped in it. Let's give him praise. Woo! Jesus, Jesus stepped in it. He stepped in it. And the glory and the peace was poured out upon all mankind. Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. He died for mankind. He paid the price, ascended back to the Father. The blood had been applied. And days later, in that upper room, Todd, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And those men, temples, dwelling places, containers, held the very essence and glory of God when he poured out the Holy Spirit on Acts chapter 2. Can we give him praise? Can we give him praise? Oh, he's good. He's good. Listen to this, 1 Peter 2, 5 says, You also, as a living stones, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I told you the stones were used to build the temple. And in the New Testament covenant that we have, Peter says, we're all living stones being built up to house the presence of I got to have his glory, don't you? I got to have his glory. Listen to this in Ephesians chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. Now, therefore, he says, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. How does it grow? Living stones. Living stones. Every member is a stone. And we're creating a dwelling place for God. Individually, we house the glory of God but can I say that corporately, everybody, all believers, when we come in here, we're living stones, and we're making it big. So the more people that you get together, the bigger the dwelling place, the bigger the container, and we're housing the glory. We're housing the glory of God. That's why He comes, and He sits in our midst because we're housing the glory of God because we're all stones. Amen. He says, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. What's that mean, Pastor? 
it means this. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, as good as you have experienced the glory in your life, it's going to get better. The glory is going to be greater. Jesus lives inside of us through the Holy Spirit, and there's peace, and there's peace, and we could experience His glory, and we could have it. You say, Pastor, well, I just wish I could know if we can experience this glory. Well, I love this, what Jesus said in John 17, 22. He's praying for the disciples, and he's praying for all of us. And this is what his prayer was in John 17, 22. It's a whole long prayer in John 17. But in John 17, 22, this is what he says. Jesus is praying to the Father, and he says, And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. I've given them. That they may be one just as we are one. The glory has been given. All we got to do is just receive it. Amen. Come on, let's give him praise. Let's give him praise. Praise the Lord. I might ask Stacy and Michael and David if they would come up here with me, with me now, worship team. I want to I share this with you as I, as I close tonight. You know, there comes a moment in time in all of our lives where we've got to realize, do we want the glory or not? Do we want the cares and things of the world, or do we desire the glory more than anything else in my life? Twenty years ago, this past February, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, the glory of God, that absolutely changed my life. Can I tell you that I'm here tonight because of the glory of God? I'm here tonight because of the glory of God. And these three men were in my life 20 years ago, and they're still in my life today, but 20 years ago, they helped me to take me to a place where the Holy Spirit absolutely catapulted me to a new level in His glory, and they helped me. David Waldrop right here, we call him Goose. That's his, nick, that's his name. He's one of my spiritual fathers. He's one of the elders at our church and a man that serves a father to a lot of people. I attended a weekend encounter with, with men back 20 years ago, and David was the one responsible for getting me to that weekend. Michael here, not only is he my cousin, but he had experienced the power of the Holy Spirit before I did. And so I was able to talk to him about this encounter with the Holy Spirit and ask questions and talk to him about it. And he was present that night that I got that I had that encounter with the Holy Spirit. And this is Stacy Avery. Stacy was actually the leader of this men's weekend that I attended 20 years ago. 
Now, to tell you the importance of this, to make it even more important, during this time that I attended this weekend, I was a Baptist pastor. I was pastoring a Baptist church. I was anointed to preach. I could preach. I shouted. I saw people get saved. I mean, God was doing wonderful and miraculous things. I thank God for the church. I thank God for that they continue on and that God continues to bless them and, and use them and, and do things mighty in their life. But I attended that weekend because there was something inside of me that was crying out, I got to have the glory. As a matter of fact, when we went there, they, they asked us a question, what, what are you here for? I said, I'm here to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I didn't even really understand what that was, but this is what I said. If there's more to experience with God, I want it. I want it. It was a yearning in my heart. A yearning in my heart. So these three guys were present on that weekend. And on February the 21st, 1998, at 2.15 in the morning. Yeah, 2.15 in the morning. Because, see, when you're hungry and desiring the presence of God, time don't matter. See, when there's a yearning in your heart crying out, I got to have the glory. It doesn't matter how long you stand in line to wait to get baptized. Because all you want is say, I got to have the glory. I got to have the glory. I got to have it. I got to have it. So 2.15 in the morning, these guys will come on up here. These guys were praying for me. They were, there's people praying for me, anointing me with oil and praying for me. 2.15 in the morning, most everybody asleep in the bed. I'm saying, God, I got to have you. Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I need you. And I just heard this void, I just heard his presence saying, quench not the Spirit. Quench not the spirit. I was like, Lord, I'm not, I'm not quenching you. I give you everything. I, I give you my, my family. I, I give you everything, Lord. I surrender it all. It's all yours, God. I just, I just want you. I just need you. Quench not the spirit. Quench not the spirit. It's like God, I'm not quenching you. I need you. There was only one. Now this is my testimony. Everybody's is different. This is mine. This is my encounter. The only thing that I knew to do was just surrender and lay back. I knew these guys had me. Now, you got to remember, I'm a Baptist pastor. We don't do this. Come on. We, we don't do this. But when you desire in the presence of God, you got to die. See, His presence becomes more than what your denomination thinks. His presence becomes greater than what other people might even think about you. 
and say that that's not real or try to talk you out. It has to become greater than anything else. Lord, I got to have you. And all I knew to do is surrender. And so this is what I did. I said, Lord, I give it to you. Lord, I surrender. Lord, I surrender. Can I tell you that when my head touched the ground, I felt the glory of God go from my head down my body and come out my arms. I felt the Holy Spirit manifesting Himself on me and filling me. And I laid in the floor and wept and cried for 15 minutes because I was encountering the glory of God. And the wonderful thing about it is this. Nobody could talk me out of it. Nobody could talk me out of it. It was real. It, it was so real. And I wept and I cried for 15 minutes in the glory. In the glory. See, there came a moment in time in my life where I had to die. I had to die. I had to die to religion. I had to die to what people thought, the accusations, the criticism. Oh, it was all going to come. But can I tell you that 20 years later, 20 years later, I'm still walking in the peace, walking in the glory. I'm telling you, I had to have the glory. I had to have the glory. I want the glory. Come on, stand to your feet. Is there anybody here tonight that says, I got to have the glory? It changed my life. He made me something new. He gave me boldness. He gave me peace. He gave me joy. And I walk in that joy every day because His glory makes a difference. His glory. Is anybody tonight? Ready for the glory. Wherever you are in your walk with God. Oh, I feel His presence. I feel Him manifesting right now. I feel Him manifesting. Whatever you need. If you need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you need to get saved, you need to get saved first. You need to get saved. If you need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you need to get healed, if you need to get delivered, if you need to get set free, you need God to take you to a new level in Him, and you're ready to die tonight. See, that's what the Baptist baptistry is going to do. You're going to die. You, you're going to die out of self. Because what you're going to do is you're going to get in there tonight, and you're going to be walk. When you step in, you're going to be walking in that baptistry. I've got to have the glory, and nothing else matters. I just got to have the glory. Amen. I got to have the glory. I got to have the glory. Come on, let's say it. I must have the glory. I must have the glory. If you need prayer, I want you to come up right over here and just come to this altar team's going to pray for you. So altar team, come on. And maybe there's some of you that's just going to die. You're ready to get baptized. Come on. Just walk up these steps. Go right back through there and we're going to encounter the glory of God. We're going to encounter the glory. The glory is going to touch you tonight. The glory is going to fill you tonight. The glory is going to 
manifest himself to you tonight. And the glory, the glory of God is going to do something in your life tonight. And you're going to be able to say, I've got to, I've got to have the glory. I've got to have the glory. I've got to have the glory. Y'all go ahead and start singing. Just sing. Y'all just sing. Come on, let's pray. If you need to get baptized, come on. And, walk, and let's just experience the glory tonight. Immerse me in your mercy. Open heaven, crashing over me. Restore me to your glory.
Show us your glory. 
church, we want everyone to stay, uh, just kind of stay hooked up in the spirit with us right now. We're about to start baptism. There's still a lot of ministry going on right here in the altar. So if you have to have conversation, we ask that you just step out into the lobby, okay? Um, we really encourage you now to begin to intercede because this is a very important time and this is a very important time. Many of these people are coming to be filled with the Holy Spirit for the very first time. They're needing some instruction, so we're taking extra time to make sure that there's clear understanding. So uh, we just really want you to reverence what's going on. We invite you to stay the whole night because it seems as the night moves through, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. But that is because uh, we stay focused and we begin to pray. There's a team right now uh, in, a, in, a, in an adjacent room that they're interceding. They started at 8 o'clock. At 9 o'clock, another team goes in. At 10 o'clock, another team goes in. At 11 o'clock, another team goes in. So every hour, there'll be a switching out of teams interceding for tonight. So we just want to ask from this point on that you really stay focused. Pray for these folks at the altar. Pray for uh, our baptism team, Pastor Marty, as they begin here in just a moment. Uh, also, know that our nursery is now closed. So if you have children in the back, you'll need to re, uh, go pick them up. Um, and uh, that, that section of the building will be closed down in about four minutes. So you want to make your way and pick your children up. All right? So from this point on, let's just stay focused on the ministry time. Father, we give you this time. Your work is extending. You're faithful. Lord, you tell us if we ask we'll receive what you have for us. Now, Father, we ask that you continue to move in this altar, move in the altar of the water. And, Lord, tonight we fully expect as people come up out of that water, they will be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will descend on them as the Holy Spirit descended on you, Jesus. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name.
Be. 